in the NFL, you're a modern-day gladiator. Football is more violent than any other sport. It's the dream. My favorite's when the team is coming together. It gets me every single time. We strive for the interaction on the fan forum. An absolute freak. One of my favorite football players of all time. I'm not opposed to Detroit trading down. Does it get any better than Al Pacino's Game of Inches? Welcome back to the Detroit Lions Fan Forum Podcast. All right, here we are again to uh, break down another Lions game. We got uh, the Bears game in the books here. And, you know, previously I wanted to say I didn't think we were very surprised by the outcomes of any of the other games, but this one felt like it could have been a win going into this game. The fan base was excited. The chatter on the forum um, was positive and upbeat. And given what we saw to Chicago the previous week, it really felt like this was a winnable game. Um, there's some things we want to talk about. We're going to briefly break down the Bears game. We're going to talk about some of the hot topics that have come up. we got a little bit of breaking injury news to cover, and then we're going to look ahead to Minnesota. So uh, I'm back again with Bob, and I'm back with Ronnie. Same format every week. Let's uh, get going here and talk about the Bears game. Whew, this was another tough one, huh? Um, you know, we were texting during the games saying this was almost unwatchable. Uh, you know, there's not really too much to talk about, but if you want to break it down, this was a game that was winnable, probably should have been won. I mean, if you look at the first half, the first three drives, right, within the 10, all three drives within the 10, five-yard line, all three drives ended with no points. You know, we got two, two giveaways, two turnovers, which were awful turnovers. And then a fourth down that we probably should have taken points on. Um, there's two instances in the game on a fourth down when they should have taken points on both of them. They would have been down, you know, one score going in, you know, two minutes left in the game with the ball down the score if they were just taking the points. You know, I like what Campbell's doing. I like, you know, his intensity and wanting to go for it. But in some cases, you got to kick the field goal. Um, what was crazy to me, which was something I don't know if I've ever seen, the Lions punted for the first time in the game with under a minute left in the half. Normally when that happens, you know, you're up, you got a big league, you're, that means you're moving the ball and scoring. But in this case, they're down a bunch and they're punting for the first time under a minute left in the first half, which is crazy to me. Uh, I don't think Fields looked amazing. I mean, he had a couple of decent plays, but if you look at his numbers, they weren't the greatest. It was just overall for me, it was almost unwatchable. It seemed boring, stupid mistakes again. Um, it's just, I, I don't even know what else to say about it. Yeah, Bob, I, I, I agree with you here. It's just, it was overall, it was just a tough game to watch. Probably, I don't know, even for me, I guess it might have even have been more frustrating watching this game than the Green Bay Monday night game. Again, the defense took, you know, they take a step forward against Baltimore, and then they take another couple steps back against Chicago on a very formidable opponent that they could have, you know, instilled their will on. They could have potentially crushed these guys if they really wanted to. It's a rookie quarterback, you know, make them feel like a rookie quarterback. And they, and they really didn't. Yeah. Like you said, Bob, Justin Fields didn't look exceptionally uh, better than Goff, but at the same time, he still won the game. And that's, that's the problem. He did enough to win where Goff didn't do enough again. And 
since I brought up Jared Goff, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of saying the same thing about Jared Goff. The guy's got to put in a full game. He's never put in a full game for us yet. It's always, oh, let's, let's look good the first half and suck it up the second half, or let's do terrible in the first half and do a little bit of a comeback in the second half. I mean, he's just got to come up with a full game. And after a game where he didn't have any turnovers and we were actually in it, he has another two big turnovers this game. And you just cannot have that fumble in the red zone the way he did. I mean, you're the quarterback. You have to have command of the offense. And it just seems like he doesn't really have any command right now, at least in my opinion. But it just, it just, it's very frustrating to watch. The offense did not look good. The defense, again, did not look good. I don't agree with the calls that Dan Campbell's making. We brought it up a couple times last week or a couple episodes ago. I think at the time we were saying, yeah, we don't mind the aggressive play calling, but it's getting to the point where it's becoming too aggressive and it's hurting us. A couple of weeks ago, we were two for seven on fourth down. And we said, hey, maybe we should kind of back off this aggressive play calling right now. I don't know the stat off the top of my head now, but it has to be worse. Our fourth down percentage has to be worse now uh, uh, with the, the past couple of weeks added in into that category. But Man, it's just it's just frustrating all the way around. You know, you said one thing that actually <laughs> hit a nerve with, with me and brought something up that I forgot to bring up. Um, you said it was frustrating watching this game. You know, in the past, the Lions games, you know, ruined my Sunday. You know, I expect them to win every week. I would get angry. It just ruined my day, take me a couple of days to get over a loss. And this season, you know, with them being 0-3 before this week, I never felt like that. Like, I knew they lost, they were 0-3, but it felt different with Campbell being here and some of the things we saw. It didn't ruin my days. You know, it gave me something to look forward to, you know, in the future. But this game, it brought me right back to where I've been the last 25 years for some reason. I was angry. I was pissed. My Sunday was ruined. And I'm trying not to get like that because I understand, like, we're going to go through this all week, you know, all year. But, and, you know, let's not forget, Lions are in first place right now, number one pick, baby. But, man, this this game just destroyed me again, and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, Bob, again, it, it, was, a, it was a frustrating loss, and I agree with you, you know, the first couple of weeks this season, yeah, we were losing. Yeah, we were kind of up and down. We had a couple comebacks, but we all kind of mentioned it. it. It felt a little different. You know, we, the players weren't giving up. We kept saying we kind of had this, a view on everything as a whole differently because there was a new regime here. There's new players here. You can see the, the, the comeback in them. But now that I'm starting to think about it, I mean, we're having still a lot of SOL moments here, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens comeback or potential comeback. I mean, that was a total SOL moment with the 66 yard field goal. Now, to me, this is another SOL moment. This is a very beatable opponent. You're pissed off, right? You're pissed off about that field goal game. You go into Chicago, you should be ready to pummel these guys, a rookie quarterback. And again, you, you look like clowns against a rookie qu quarterback. It, it just can't happen. And, you know, what's so different about these comebacks? You know, we kept talking about, oh, this team's coming back against San Fran. The team's coming back against Green or uh, Baltimore. But how many times did we watch Matthew Stafford come back? 
we watched him his whole career. I mean, I can understand there's different scenarios, but I don't know. I'm starting to look at this a little bit differently where maybe there's not so much difference here and maybe we do need more time. I mean, we said it multiple times, the roster's just not that good. You know, I, I think that's what we're really seeing right now. It's just not that good of a roster. We got a rookie head coach and it's, we're just seeing it all together right now. I agree with everything that you guys brought up. Um, and good segue here into coaching a little bit. Uh, Dan Campbell made a comment today. I'm sorry, uh, after the game on Sunday and then reiterated again yesterday uh, that he's looking at maybe benching some of the younger players. He, I, I'm not quoting him exactly, but his point was that he doesn't want to let these guys that aren't quite ready continue to hurt the team. So I want to talk about that. And I also want to get your guys' opinion on kind of the, the reaction, the local and national reaction that we've been able to watch on TV here in Detroit about Campbell's ability as a rookie head coach. I feel like he had his growing pains in the first game. Um, nothing terribly detrimental, but moving forward um, each week, I think he's made some mistakes. And I think the his aggressive style is really starting to bite us. And I feel like this was the first time after this Bears game that I heard the local, you know, sports pundits, the radio, the TV, and some of the national guys talking about his aggression and his propensity to, to never kick a field goal and to go for it on fourth down is really starting to hurt us. And I've heard multiple pundits talk about his inexperience and his, um, you know, this being his rookie year that's really starting to show. So let's let's kind of let's touch on both of those things. Let's hear your guys' opinion about um, the the national reaction to his rookie mistakes, and then his comments about benching some of these players. So what what do you guys think about that? Yeah, the the, the aggressive coaching style. Again, we we kind of you know I was talking about it just a little bit ago. It, it's hurting the team right now, and. I don't, again, I don't, I didn't mind it at first, you know, but now it's just getting to be too much and you're, you're losing games because of it. You know, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, I, th I think they both said it uh, before the season started at their press conferences that they look into everything and they're, they look into analytics and they kind of, they look at the percentages of when they should go for it on fourth down and when they shouldn't based on how other NFL teams are doing or based on certain scenarios you know, but maybe we should just go back to the basics. Let's just keep it simple. Play football. Don't worry about certain percentages. Just play football. Do the right football moves sometimes. Sometimes it's not a hard decision. Don't make it hard on yourself. And I feel like that's what's going on right now. And also, you do not have the roster to be aggressive. I get it. There's two ways of looking at it. Yeah, you don't have a roster to be aggressive. So maybe you think you have to be aggressive. You have to take chances because you don't think your roster is that good. But if you're in a game, do the smart thing. Kick the, kick the field goal. Take the points. Trust in your defense. Do something to just try to benefit your team and your defense. Don't put everything on the defense at that scenario back to that fourth and one call but by not kicking the field goal. I just think he threw the team under the bus on that one. I want both of your takes on the empty backfields. Uh, I think it happened twice in this game on fourth down. 
Uh, it's It was brought up multiple times on the fan forum. That's why I'm making a point to bring it up now. Um, my contention on the empty backfields at these fourth and shorts, you know, the playbook is huge. Normally an uh, NFL caliber team would have personnel that could do anything out of any formation, right? Just because you're lining up with an empty backfield doesn't mean there isn't somebody coming around the end. It doesn't mean that you're not going to put somebody into motion. Um, but you really are tipping your hand when you do that two, three, four times in your first four games, right? You have uh, DeAndre Swift, who I think any team in the league would be happy to have on their roster. And you have Williams that we brought in from Green Bay to play that power back role. We still commit to a fullback, not on every play, but with Kabinda. Why, why aren't you putting a power eye in there and just running it straight at them? You know, people say, well, you're tipping your hand and you know that they're going to pass or they're most likely going to pass with an empty backfield. Well, you know that they're going to run out of the goal line formation. Most likely you most likely know that they're going to run out of like a power eye, but sometimes you just got to put your big men against their big men, put your big tail back against their linebackers and let it happen. And I don't know why we're not seeing that. I understand that you're not always going to run on fourth and one or fourth and two, but why aren't they, um, allowing the big men in the trenches to kind of try to open a hole and let two arguably pretty good running backs try to get you a first down. I mean, you got a good point. Um, I didn't think about, you know, running the ball in those situations when you said, why are, why would we put someone in the backfield? I kind of disagreed with why everybody was upset about, about it. But now that you say that, I kind of understand why people are upset, but you know, it's fourth down. If we're going to pass, you know, why would you put someone in the backfield? I mean, you could have an extra blocker, but in that case, you may feel that if you put that running back out out wide, he's got a better chance of beating a linebacker. Let's say there's a linebacker on him. He's got a better chance of beating a linebacker. I don't mind going empty, you know, backfield on fourth down. Yeah, they know you're going to pass, but you also have more options. More people running routes, you might have a better matchup for a one-on-one somebody. Oh, well, I, I was one of the people I didn't I didn't voice my concerns on the fan forum, but I was at home frustrated with the empty backfield. Again, the we keep saying this, right? The strongest point of our offense is the offensive line. So utilize it the right way. You were running the ball well. Jamal Williams was almost averaging five yards a carry during that game. Run the ball. Jared Goff has proven on multiple times this season he cannot make that play. The fourth and one call in Green Bay in the third quarter where the tide shifted, he threw the ball on fourth and one, and we all said they shouldn't have. They should have ran the ball or kicked the field goal or throw it to your best player, TJ Hawkinson. They didn't do that, and and they, they threw the ball with Goff again. I mean, run the ball for once, seriously. I mean, they kept saying, we want to play smash mouth football. We want to bite kneecaps. We want to, we want to develop the run. Then do it. You can do it. So do it. It's again, I, I'm going to repeat myself here. Sometimes it's not that hard. Don't be, don't make the tough decision. Don't make it an easy decision. So tough. Just make the right call, run the ball. How much of this can we blame on Dan Campbell? Right. Maybe we don't know the answer to that. Is he giving total play call control to his coordinators? 
can he chime in and say, no, 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 don't put that package on the field. We have these running backs for a reason. We have one of the best offensive lines in the NFC. We have to pound the football. Or is he just blindly following his coordinator? I, I think – I don't think Dan Campbell is calling plays. Obviously, he's listening in on the play calls. I think Anthony Lynn is doing the play calling. But it, it, it is Dan Campbell, the one going saying, we're going for it on fourth and one, or we're going for it on fourth down, or we're not kicking a field goal. That is Dan Campbell all the way. Um, I don't – I think again, I think the play calling is strictly in Anthony Lynn, but it's, it's – uh, Motor City Dan Campbell is the one making the tough decisions. Right, 100%. And to be honest, I don't mind them going for it early in the game, you know, in the first quarter when they were down there. But at the end of the game, it made no sense. You're down two scores. A field goal will put you within one. And he went for it. To me, that made absolutely no sense. Because now you didn't get it, and now you're down two scores again. And if they would have kicked that field goal, they were actually getting the ball back with like a minute left, and they would have only been down seven. So to be honest, it made it makes no sense. Well, and Ronnie said it a few seconds ago, they work so hard to establish the run when they're backed up or in, in midfield range or territory. Why work so hard to establish this one, this run game? Why did you tell us all offseason that we're bringing in Anthony Lynn to build around this offensive line and to form a run game? Why bother to do that if when when you really need some yards especially short yards you're just going to pass the ball why why bother to establish that run yeah and and it's working or it has been working relatively well and again we we have jared i'm not trying to knock on jared goff but we have jared goff here we don't have patrick mahomes we don't have aaron Rodgers. We don't have tom brady hell we don't have matt stafford let's let's not always put it in Jared Goff's hands. I mean, I don't know if he can handle those type of pressure situations every single week. I I just don't, I don't think he's that type of guy. And I think we're starting to realize who Jared Goff really is. And I think we're starting to see how much, maybe how much protection he had in LA, how much Sean McVay and that team around him, protected him from all the flaws. Obviously we started to see some of that over the last year or so when his, his last season in LA, but man, it's really noticeable now. I think. You're finally going to agree with what I've been saying all along about Jared Goff. What's that? That is not this the quarterback that you thought he was. Oh no. I never, th- I never thought he was that. I, I will, again, I was, I was on record multiple times. I think you were, I think you brought up the fact that, him and Matthew Stafford were the same person and then they're not, and we're seeing it, you know, and right. I, I was not a Jared, I was not a big Jared Goff fan, but I don't know who else we would have got. And I don't think there was anyone else that you could get. So it was a trade. You got two first round draft picks and you just had to cross your fingers and you had to hope for the best. And it's just not working out as of right now. You both said it already that this is just not, a good roster. And we knew that coming in, we knew that this was going to be a bad team. Um, So looking at what Jared Goff is able to do with this roster, I don't necessarily think that that's an indictment, an accurate indictment on Jared Goff, put Jared Goff in Denver, put Jared Goff in Carolina, because look at what Sam Darnold is like having this, this little resurgence of his career put him on a better roster with a better defense and some, some better playmakers on the outside. And 
and Jared Goff would be serviceable, I, I think. But I don't know if in his tenure in Detroit, if we're going to get a chance to see that. We have so many holes and so much that we need to focus on before we can really expect to win again that I honestly don't know if we'll ever see a fair or get, I should say, get a fair reading on Jared Goff during his time in Detroit. In Detroit. Yeah, and I've been saying it since day one, since we got him. Maybe this was what they wanted to do to him. Maybe this was the test for him. Maybe this was to say, all right, Jared, this is your second chance. You don't have the team you had in L.A. We're not going to give you a bunch of wide receivers. We're not going to give you a bunch of weapons. Prove that you're the guy here. Maybe that's what was going on, and I just think it's just not working out. I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, see, I look at it totally different still. I think that there was no way we were bringing him here for him to prove anything. I think we knew what we were getting. He's just – the trade that we got for him was amazing. That's why we made that trade. He's a quarterback that can come in right now just to play while we rebuild and we get our draft our quarterback in the future. I mean, we knew he th- he's he's a passer that throws three to five yards, dumps it off to running backs, doesn't take a lot of time in the pocket, doesn't make a – I mean, we knew all this ahead of time. And, you know, I knew from the start that he's not here to be our quarterback. He's here to, basically as a runaway quarterback for right now until we get our quarterback of the future. So, I, you know, I'm like – we talk about golf every week, but I think, like, we're talking about the same things with him. You know, like, we know what he is. He's not going to do anything crazy. And I think he's just here until we get the quarterback we want. No, I agree 100%, Bob. I mean, we made the trade for the picks, not for Goff. Yeah, Um, But at the same time, you just got to cross your fingers and hope. Maybe he can get it together. Maybe he can. I mean, I know last or this past week after the game, he said, we got to get pissed off. Let's get pissed off. I mean, mean, maybe we were all hoping maybe he was pissed off when he left L.A. Obviously, he wasn't pissed enough because you just had to hope he could turn – things around or maybe prove that he was better than what he was. And it's just not working out. But you got to remember too, look where he was. Like he had every, I mean, it's a quarterback's dream in LA. You have everything you need. So if he couldn't do it it there, I mean, how the hell is he going to do it here? No. And and that's what I said. That's why I said he was protected. Sean McVay protected him and he was protected by the roster and, and we're, he's exposed now. And that's what we're seeing. Yep, you guys are you guys are hitting the nail on the head. You're uh, you're making my job real easy tonight. But you know, just to kind of cap off what we're saying here, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that we knew what we were getting in golf, but kind of seeing what you could see from his time in the Rams is much different than what we were hoping to get. You know, obviously, in one hand, you have the sample size from from the Rams, and then on the other, you have this hope in kind of this feeling or this undercurrent that this offense is different and this staff is different and that we're going to be asking him to do uh, different things with, with, uh, with this offense. And in four games, it's just not happening. Um, I don't think he's the worst QB in the league, but he's not the answer. Um, part of me kind of says this was, this was a great year if you needed a QB But at the same time, in in a rebuild here, I'm glad that we didn't trade up. I'm glad that we didn't expend any of the capital that we got in the Stafford trade. Uh, So I guess we just got to see what happens moving forward. And Ronnie and I talked about this the other day, and we keep coming back to this on this podcast, that this might not be the year for us to draft a QB, even though we probably will have a top two, you know, one, two or three pick in the draft. 
even though we've we've loaded up on on this this capital for the rest of the draft and then the subsequent draft after that um, just might not be the year. And I think that we have them for two years, but at the end of that two years, if it's still abysmal as it is now, look for us to, to bring in a free agent. You know, we don't have to go out and rush and draft a guy. We don't want to wind up um, in a Brady Quinn situation. We don't want to wind up, um, in a situation where we're, we're drafting this heir apparent that winds up really not being ready or not being capable. So let's, uh, let's see. I mean, we got a lot of time before we really have to start talking draft, but um, I personally don't want us to rush into taking a QB this year or next year. The writing will be on the wall, I think. And if, uh, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. And unless they sell the franchise or move out of Detroit, we got nothing but time, man. Yeah, I agree somewhat with that. Um, I think we can wait to take a quarterback. I think it's going to depend on what comes, who comes out of college. I think personally, it's got to be the next two years with the picks that we have. We can't, we shouldn't waste those picks. But if there's not someone coming out next year that that we don't like, or is it leading up that we think can lead, you know, the franchise, then we can wait one more year. But personally, with having two first round picks in the next two years, I think we have to take a quarterback with one of those. Maybe not this year, but if not this year, then for sure next year. Yeah, and I don't want to stay on the topic too long because it's still, I mean, it's week four and there's a, a long college football season, and a long NFL season ahead of us. But is there anyone on your mind right now that you would even consider taking in the first round this this coming draft? Because in my mind, there's nobody. As of right now, I, I'm not impressed with a lot of them. Yeah, me either. I agree. Like. Start of the season, you know, I mean, again, we don't want to talk about this forever, but Rattler was the name we heard, but watching him, he's not even that impressive to me right now. He's not doing as good as they thought he would. I I agree with both of you. There's there's nobody, there's no, you know, second coming of Peyton Manning. This if if you really wanted the next sure thing, and I know it's all it's all speculation, but this was the draft. I don't know. This this coming up draft is not shaping up to be a QB draft. I I don't watch college football enough to look two years down the road, and we don't need to even talk about that right now. But no, short short or long answer to your short question is no. I don't want a QB in this draft or in this in this top of this draft. Do you want to talk about like individual offense and defensive performance, or can we just kind of summarize all of this by saying this was, was, was a hard game to watch? The only guy I think was all terrible. The only guy I was going to mention, because I, I kind of talked him up a little bit last week, was Oriware, who had another pick. Granted, I think it was a tip ball, but still he made the play. So you got to give him some props. And then the other individual player uh, was uh, just to talk about ro- losing Romeo Aquara after he had probably one of the best games of his career. You know, um, it just sucks, you know. Yeah, you know, two – Two big, two big uh, pieces of information that we've learned since this game on the injury front is Aquara out for the year on IR, and then Ragnow uh, out for what they're calling multiple weeks with turf toe. And turf toe is a tough one across all sports. You look at a baseball player, a football player, even a golfer or a hockey player, you get uh, turf toe, and it takes a long time to come back from that. And being a center, uh, 
anyone who's ever played any offensive line knows how important footwork is. And if your footwork isn't right, and if your power step isn't there, and if you can't plant, you're in trouble. And, um, you know, losing, losing your starting center, who's arguably the best center in the league, is a blow, especially when you're trying to establish this run game. So it, it's going to be uh, – we knew starting the season that it was going to be a tough road to hoe, but with each injury, um, the road gets a little bit longer and a little bit rockier, you know. So I'm just looking over my notes here. We covered Ragnar. We covered the fourth down stuff, covered the injuries. Um, let's, let's get back to real quick here. And, again, uh, we were trying to keep the show a little bit abridged for you guys. But uh, when Campbell says that he's looking at sitting down some of the younger players, let's, let's not jump to conclusions. He's not talking about Barnes. He's not talking about St. Brown. Um, I think personally, he's talking about our, our fourth string undrafted safety from last year that they converted to now play outside corner. And he's talking about this UDFA that we have playing nickel. Um, It's not an indictment on their effort. I don't even necessarily think it's an indictment on their skill set at this point in their career. But what he went on to say is that he's not going to let these guys continue to hurt us. And if the talent isn't in the building, basically we would look outside of the building. My question to you guys is why are we coming to this realization at 0-4 going into week five against a divisional opponent in Minnesota when any one of us could have told any member of that coaching staff that we didn't have any depth and that these kids weren't ready? Why are we coming to this realization now? In a way, I a part of me kind of views it as a cop-out a little bit. I, I don't really like it either calling out some of these, the younger guys too. I know it, I, I might be kind of sounding like a hypocrite because I, I did, I didn't mind the call out with Jamie Collins, but I think it's just different when you're a veteran player and you've been in the league for so long where these kids are, they're being forced to play at the moment due to injury. And they're the ones that made the decision to play these kids. I mean, you could have brought in a veteran. You didn't have to start the veteran. You could have brought in a veteran. You could have brought in Richard Sherman. You could have brought in whoever you wanted to. You could have brought in someone last week or two weeks ago when all our corners were dropping like flies to at least have a presence for these kids to be around. Or maybe they the veteran could be the backup for one week and then they would start the next week. I don't know. But that's on coaching. That's a coaching decision, and that's his fault. That, that's how I view it at. Well, then this, this brings this conversation back full circle because I feel, like I said at the top of this, Dan Campbell is starting to take heat, rightfully so, and not to be unexpected. I don't think I'm surprised that he's made mistakes. I don't think I'm surprised that we're 0-4 necessarily. Uh, but just to echo what you said about Richard Sherman, I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and it's hard for me to remember what we talked about on the podcast and what we talk about just – throughout the week, but I know that we discussed Richard Sherman being out there and you'd see what he's able to do in Tampa and arguably the biggest game so far this year for the NFL. He comes out and with his debut in Tampa and he makes his presence known. He's on the field. He's making plays. He's batting balls. He's bringing, giving pressure. Um, you know, he hadn't played football in 200 and some days. And I don't think anyone can argue with me if I, if I say right now that Richard Sherman is better and played better 
than any corner on this active roster. And, and let me clarify, I don't think Richard Sherman would have came here. I, I, I think if the Lions called, he would have hung up. Now, I, I'm just giving a name. There's other veteran players out there that might come here that, or that might have come here. But, um, I mean, again, they're undrafted kids. I mean, not to knock these kids, but they're undrafted for a reason because there was a lot of questions about them coming into the draft. And, you know, I think we've touched on it before. This isn't Madden. Not every person you find in the draft or not every person you find in undrafted free agency, you can't make them into an all-star. The odds of them being a successful starter, every down player, it's not good. You know, some of these kids, they got to just play in certain situations. They got to play if someone gets hurt in the middle of a game. They shouldn't, they're not necessarily meant to be starting every single snap for several weeks in a row. And again, I think that's kind of, it's kind of on coaching. It's kind of on management and not bringing certain guys in. Yeah. And I'm all, I'm baffled too, because I think we all know somebody and it's someone's phone number that they should call. And I don't know why they're doing it. <laughs> Mr. Drummond, our friend, <laughs> friend of the show. He's oh. sitting here. He's ready, isn't he? Let's he's give only, him a call. He's only a call away. I'm sure yeah. he would answer. I'm sure he would answer if they called. I, I think let's uh, get that guy in there. You know, he's ready. I'm sure he's ready. I'd be. That would be awesome. That would that would give us a boost in the ratings, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, looking back over my notes again, just uh, to make sure we're hitting on everything here. I think the only thing I had on my notes that we didn't mention, and just to just to throw it out there. Collins went back to the Patriots. I'm not surprised by that. I don't think Ronnie is. I don't think Bob is. We don't need to spend much time on that really at all, but it was in the news, so we'll report it. Do um, I get another stake for that or what? Uh, I think when you, mm. you take that low-hanging fruit like that, maybe I'll, maybe I'll grill you a hot dog. <laughs> so before we sign off here, does anyone have anything uh, looking forward to Minnesota that, that stands out? Another loss. Yeah, I, I don't. If we can't stop the Chicago Bears offense, uh, I don't know how we're going to stop Minnesota's passing attack. Or and their ru- and their rushing attack, yeah. I guess. So yeah. they they have, they have studs at every level. So I, it, it could get ugly. We'll see. I mean, with the injuries that we've acquired uh, since Game One, like I said, it just the road keeps getting longer. Um, but, you know, let's let's just look at it and hope that they improve. That's really all that we're going to be able to do moving forward, I think, over the next uh, 10 or 12 weeks here is, is just look for improvement. Look for the offensive line to continue to play well. Um, you know, get Jared Goff some time. Hopefully they can get a little more creative. Hopefully they can start kicking some field goals. Would it, would it be SOL if the Lions came out and beat Minnesota 40 to nothing? Yeah, it would. It would. And that's why that's why I'm kind of trying to butter you guys up here. I I I mean, they could make a game of it. It would be very lion-like for them to come out and make a game of it. And the other thing I wanted to add too is I know Dan Campbell said it a couple times too, where he said, Enough of this shit. I don't want to hear any more of this SOL shit. It's different now and all this stuff. Well, make us believe it. Make let us see it. You know, you can't you can't say it without not doing it. So I mean, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done, so I don't want to hear him say, 
no more SOL until we actually see with our own eyes that there's no more SOL. That was my thought exactly when he said, we're done with this shit. I don't want to hear this is okay. I will stop saying it when you, when you do something differently, right? Change our minds. I mean, and let's be honest, we're not dogging him, right? Like it's still too early to know what's going to happen here. It's only about four games, but you know, he's got to start showing us something. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I was, you know, I, I liked his attitude. I was, I was, he got me pumped up. I think we were all pumped up at the initial press conference I don't, I don't mind his energy. I love the coaching hires. I think we all did. Um, but we, like you said, we just got to see a little bit more. We know we didn't expect much this year. We all know this, you know, we didn't think we were going to be a playoff team or anything like that. Hell, I, I don't think any of us thought we'd be 500, but we just thought we would see a little bit more consistency and we're just seeing the same thing week after week. It seems like. Bob's right too. I, I certainly don't want it to come across as us dogging, Campbell or anyone in this regime thus far so early on. Uh, but what I was excited about after that first press conference, and I knew he would have to walk back some of the rhetoric, some of the rhetoric. I knew that, that it was pretty clear that he was trying to change the culture very quickly, that he was trying to get everybody, players and fans alike pumped up. Um, I just really thought we would see a little bit more of a spark, I guess. And, and we see the spark every now and then they put together a drive uh, you know, the offensive line plays great and gives Jared Goff the best protection he's ever had in his career. Those are the things that I would thought we would be able to build on. And with this, with this young staff, they have to figure out how to build on not an actual victory, but you know, you got to celebrate the small wins too. So when your offensive line has like the game of the year, uh, when, when one of these replacements type corners makes a play, I really thought that the spark would kind of, catch fire and so far the the spark is just kind of petering out and and that's what's disappointing to me um so i I think that was good i think we covered it uh you know we're going to try to keep a positive beat upbeat uh still going for you guys but it's going to be hard it's going to be hard as the year goes on we're going to look to do some other topics kind of within these shows so we're not just always uh recapping this doom and gloom um, but again, thank you guys for your time. Thank you guys for listening. I want to mention one thing before we sign off. I can see very limited analytics with, uh, or stats, I should say, in regards to who is listening to this podcast. I can see what platforms people are listening on. I can see um, age demographics and male, female demographics and things like that. But what I can consistently see is that we're getting a one listen every time from Germany and one listen every time from somewhere in the UK. Uh, If you guys are listening, I want to, I want to say that I appreciate that. I think it's so cool that we're overseas and I'm just curious who you are. Hit us up on the fan forum or, or uh, send me a PM Hitch Garcella on Facebook. I want to know who, who overseas is listening. And I wanted to kind of tip my hat and give you a special shout out. So thank you. Anything else you guys want to conclude with? Yeah, I want to know how the uh, how the fantasy league's going. Oh, good question. Good question. We blew out uh, a buddy of mine this week, Mike Wenzel, from uh, a buddy of mine that I used to work with. We destroyed him. He had a bad week. We had a good week. I think we won by 40 or 50 points, I want to say. Uh, we currently are in first place in our division. Um, 
everyone else is staying engaged and making, making maneuvers on the wire and hitting up the message board a little bit. And I would say so far, I'm very pleased with everybody's involvement in the, in the uh, fan forum, fantasy football league. How's, uh, how's Curtis doing? What's his record at? You know what? I'm going to have to pull it up. So bear with me here. I'm going to open it up. We're using ESPN as a platform here. Uh, while I pull this up, I can politely, respectfully, gently, gingerly say that he's not doing very good. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, I think he told Ronnie that this was his first time ever playing uh, fantasy football. Is that correct? Yes. So, uh, Curtis, my man, uh, you can tell. You can tell that you're new to this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just pull up the standings here for you guys. Let's, let's hope the Lions call, and, and maybe uh, they'll give him a break from fantasy. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Motor City Dan can take that team over for him too. <laughs> yeah, Hitch too. While you pull those up, I want to thank everybody who's also followed us on Twitter. Um, we're getting a lot of likes, a lot of retweets, and uh, honestly, I'm wondering. We got there's a um, like a Lions fan group out of UK and out of Germany that actually follow us now. So I'm wondering if those listens are coming from there, and if they are, we'd love to hear from you on there too. You know, shoot us a message on Twitter. Uh, we love that you follow us and we love the comments that you guys leave us on Twitter. Yeah, dude, that would be great. Any group out there, any uh, similar group out there, we would love to network with you guys and to, to, to work with you guys. That would be great. And Twitter is taking off. Bob is running the Twitter for us and uh, we're picking up followers every day. People are retweeting some of the things that we're sharing. Uh, the best way for them to help us, anyone that's, that's listening to this, the best way for you to help us is to retweet and share cut and paste, do whatever you got to do to share the actual podcast. Cause we're getting to the point before we talk about uh, some marketing ideas that I, I think we're reaching um, everyone that the fan forum thus far is going to allow us to reach. So the best thing you can do if you're enjoying this content is to, to like it and share it across your platforms. Um, but back to the fan forum here, fan forum team is three and one. Uh, our buddy, Tom, his team name is Dingus. They're three and one. Uh, and then the first and second place in the other division, a million reasons is also three and one. And a penne for your thoughts is two and two. And then let's check out our boy Curtis sitting in last place. Oh, in his division. And I believe in the league. He is- <laughs> He is one and three with the least points scored at 383 and a half. But I will, I will say that he's played some tough opponents. His points against is like third or fourth in the league. So he's kind of in that spot that we've all been in at one point or another, where I think he's got some weeks where he's put up some points, but he's also kind of misfortunate with the teams that he's played so far. So um, we'll see. Well, we're looking at maybe getting Curtis back on maybe during the bye or at the, at the midway recap or the midway, uh, point of the season, he can come on and kind of recap things with us and maybe talk a little fantasy football with us too. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll coordinate that with him. He seemed very willing to kind of be part of the show and to help us out and to help us grow if he could. So we'll, we'll get him back on for everybody. Um, but just, just to summarize, um, the, the fan forum is growing. The Twitter is growing. The league is going well. Um, 
everything is kind of trending in the right direction. We're still having fun doing this. That's the most important thing. So um, I'll take my opportunity to say goodnight for Bob, say goodnight for Ronnie, and I'll, uh, I'll sign off as well. Thank you, everybody, and we'll be back next week with the Minnesota Recap. I think we're going to call it a night, so signing off.